Once upon a time, in a faraway land, there was a story that changed everything. Hello and welcome to Story Tales, the podcast all about storytelling in its many forms. I am Marcus Hooper. And I am Caitlin Park. How are you doing, Caitlin? Great. How are you? Doing great. I'm doing really well. Good. Um, Excited to be back on Story Tales. I know. It's been too long. It's been too long. Life got crazy. Uh, I lost my job. So I've been kind of, um, what's the word for it? Busy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yes, to both those things. Um, But how how have you been doing? Doing pretty well. Um, Staying on that barista life, Slingin's Bro. Uh, Slingin's Bro. (laughs) I know. So cheesy, but that's what we call it. Uh, So, to let you guys know, originally I was going to rotate my co-hosts between four different people, Caitlin being one of them. But once it became harder to actually, like, schedule all four of you, I decided that I needed to stick with one. And uh, I picked you because I think our episode was the funniest and also because you're the easiest to schedule. (laughs) (laughs) But, But it is honestly both those things. And not to slight those other people. First of all, I've known you longer than I've known them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much the only reason I think that it wasn't there wasn't as much chemistry, because I just met them like a year ago, but I've known you for like three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, smells like cat poop in here, but <laughs> probably because our our cat we locked our cat up, so we're trying to she's probably trying to poop to get our attention. <laughs> she's mad. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do: poop to get somebody's attention. No, uh, none of this is staying in. <laughs> Let's start over. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Today, we're actually talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, the film, because at the time this episode's coming out, the Oscars are coming up. This is one of the films nominated for Best Picture, and it's nominated for other things, as well as Remy Malek, the main actor who played Freddie Mercury, he's nominated for Best Actor, and I I honestly think he should win that, and we can go into more detail there. Um, But first, I'm going to read a brief synopsis of what this movie is about and then we'll go into what we both thought of the movie when we saw it so are you ready caitlin you ready to go on this ride i am ready all right keep all hands inside the vehicle bohemian rhapsody is a 2018 biographical film about the british rock band queen some people say biopic or biopic i kind of said them the same way but (laughs) one of them is biopic and one of them is biopic I kind of go back and forth between the two. Which one do you say, biopic or biopic? I avoid the word altogether, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever used it in conversation, but I think I would go with biopic, biopic. Biopic Maybe. sticks to where where those, what words those came from, I think. Right. Like biographical picture, I'm assuming is where that what that means. Biopic is how you would say it phonetically, like if that was its own word. Like if you took right. those things and squished them together. And it sounds cooler, but biopic is... It's more district- it's actually descriptive. What, yeah, exactly. It's actually what those elements are from, like what words they're from. 
But this just goes over that problem altogether, and it calls it a biographical film. So it follows singer Freddie Mercury's life from when he joins the band in 1970 to their 1985 Live Aid performance, spoilers, at the former <laughs> Wembley Stadium in London. It was produced by 20th Century Fox, New Regency, nobody cares about this. And Queen Films. Hang on. Scroll back. I thought nobody <laughs> cared about this. Queen Films. How many films has Queen Films made? Probably just this one, right? It's worth a Google. Did they make their own production company for this? I wouldn't be surprised. It's funny to me that like maybe someone at 20th Century Fox came up to like Brian May and Roger Taylor. Sorry, I couldn't remember the drummer's name. I, it's funny to me to think that they came up to them and were like, can we make a movie? Based on your life, mostly Freddy's, but your life. And they were like, yes, if we can put our production company's name on it. <laughs> and they were like, okay, wait, you have a production company? And they were like, we will by the time <laughs> this movie comes out. Because like I'm here on Wikipedia and Queen Films, all the other production companies have are like a hyperlink. Like they have their own Wikipedia page, mm -hmm. except Queen Films, which makes me think oh. Queen Films didn't exist before this movie came out. <laughs> hmm. That's like when, when the... 2016 Ghostbusters came out and it was like ghost core or whatever like they were gonna make a whole lot more Ghostbusters movie mm -hmm. like you can tell they were planning to make it like a Ghostbusters extended universe mm -hmm. and then people were like hey this film kind of sucks and they were like nah we were just gonna do this one um yeah <laughs> we... just kidding <laughs> <laughs> we were just gonna make this one yeah <laughs> they ghosted on us <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about this in another episode but but, yeah, we'll save that for later. But like, I do want to mention, to when they when they tried to blame the hatred on the, the that first trailer and the movie completely on sexist men, I was like, okay, but it's pretty bad though. <laughs> I was like, and it's not because it has nothing to do with the fact that there are women in the main characters, like, sorry, women as the main characters. <laughs> Let me clarify. Let me clarify. Nobody's Ooh. in anybody. <laughs> read the room yeah oh, nice. oh. Uh, <laughs> but it's not the fact that they're women like it just like it made me laugh a few times the first time i saw it but then when i went to rewatch it i was like oh wait this plot isn't very good like the jokes kind of made me laugh and that kind of distracted me from it so i was like oh i like that and then i went back and i was like oh wait yikes this story's not that great <laughs> like just this and then like you realize that the jokes don't really fit anyway that'll be its own episode someday but little little teaser there, little teaser. Um, that was your that's your rapper name, isn't it? Little teaser. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for those who don't know, because you can't hear her because it's a podcast. Caitlin is short. Five one. Five one. And ready to make fun and of you. Ready to make fun. <laughs> don't poke her; she'll poke back. I don't know what that means. It's Facebook, right? <laughs> it's Facebook, right? I don't remember the last time I checked my pokes on Facebook. What about you? Um, no, but I keep getting waves. Right, from Messenger? <laughs> right. Like, just say hey. Because <laughs> it usually just goes, they'll wave, I'll wave back. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of it. So and there's... That's all. That's all she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Pokes, like, that's just so weird. Like, you don't poke people in real life. Like, I mean, you do, but only if you're, like, really close to that person. And even then, they probably won't like it. <laughs> or you're a weird 12-year-old. Yeah, well, that I guess that was most of... Okay, I see. That was most of Facebook's first people. Right. 
Okay, so back to what we're actually talking about. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, but I'm going to talk about kind of like some of the main actors. So as I said before, Remy Malik was Freddie Mercury. It also had Lucy Boynton. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. She played Mary, I believe, uh, who is Freddie's fiance at first. Spoilers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and I think, here's a little tidbit. I don't know if you out there in audio land know this, but the actor who played Freddie Mercury, Rami Malek, is now dating the actress who played Mary, um, Lucy Boynton. And I think that is amazing. That's so cute. It is cute. Ugh. I also answered my question of, is Rami Malek gay in real life? Because you don't have to be gay to play a gay character, but, I mean, he, he was really convincing as a gay character. I <laughs> and I don't even mean his mannerisms. I mean, he was, like, making out with dudes. And it was like, I was like, oh, you look like you like that. But it's just because he's a good actor. Right, yeah. Which is why I was on the fence. I was like, you could just be a good actor and, you know, be pretending. But mm, mm, he was really good. That's why he's nominated for an Oscar. Because <laughs> he kissed those dudes like he meant it. <laughs> <laughs> but then when it cut, he was like, hey, no homo, am I right? It was just here doing a movie, right? When <laughs> he didn't talk like that at all. <laughs> For those who might not recognize Rami Malik from his name, he was the Egyptian pharaoh, I guess. I don't know if he was a pharaoh. Maybe he was a prince. I'm going to say prince. The Egyptian prince in Night at the Museum. Remember, like, in the first one, the the guards, like, that the old guards, like, one of them was... Uh, Dick Van Dyke, they were like, don't open that tomb. Like, it's very dangerous. But it just turns out that it was Remy Malik, and he's like this young-looking Egyptian prince, and he's really nice. And he's like, no, I just wanted to get out to tell you that uh, they're up to no good, and that's why they didn't want me out. And you're like, oh, but he was in that. And he's also, more famously, in Mr. Robot. And that's that's what most people know him from. But no, not me. Night at the museum all, all day, baby. <laughs> Who is this person? I don't talk like this. <laughs> Put a mic in front of me. I start acting a fool. But some of the other actors, because I don't want to just go over those two. Some of the other actors are Gwilm Lee. And I think he played Brian May. Ben Hardy. Pretty sure he was Roger Taylor. Joe Mazzalow. I think he was John Deacon. Aiden Gillen. Tom Hollander. Alan Leach. And Mike Myers. And Mike Myers' cameo was pretty funny. But we'll talk about that later. But those were, that's some about the movie, and I feel like that was real rough <laughs> getting through that. But we got through it together. So that's what the movie's about. That's some of the people in it. Caitlin, what did you think about this movie when you first saw it? We actually saw it together when it was your first, first time to see it. Yes, and that was the only time I actually watched it, I feel pretty bad about that but <laughs> the you, first... saw, you saw the last half of it last night when i was watching it yes okay so going into that <laughs> with that in mind um i actually thought that it was a beautifully done film i don't think there wasn't anything that i had to complain about it simply because when i go to watch a movie it either has my attention or it doesn't and this one, even though I had nothing, I had no prior knowledge of Queen or Freddie Mercury at all. That just wasn't something that I grew up knowing about. I didn't feel left out of 
the journey. It didn't drop me off in some place halfway through and made me feel like, oh man, I really should have read a couple of journal articles before coming to this because it requires too much background knowledge. At the same time, what I really liked about how it was made was that it didn't turn it into some sort of statement. It was just a fictionalized movie about someone's life and there was no agenda other than telling a story, which is sometimes difficult to do in like a biography yeah. or some sort of documentary type thing. Yeah, I feel like it was really, really well done in the aspect that we got to celebrate the life of someone who created a lot and offered a lot to the world of music. Yeah, and I think when you were talking about they weren't trying to push an agenda I think that's how Freddie would have wanted it because he didn't want to be the poster boy for anything other than Queen, you know? Yeah. Uh, But he even, you know, he didn't tell people, uh, spoilers if you don't know the life of Freddie Mercury, he didn't want to tell the public that he had AIDS and he didn't until like literally the day before he died. He announced it to the press that he had AIDS the next day he died. Mm -hmm. I don't think he planned that, you know? Like, (laughs) I, I think it was just kind of, a coincidence, but it was because a he was a very private person and didn't like answering questions about his personal life, which I understand. Like mm-hmm. it's really not their business. Like people feel like it is. Like if if you enjoy a, a an artist's work, you feel like oh, but now it's my like it's their duty to like share themselves with me. You know everything mm-hmm. about them when really it's not. Like honestly, they don't even have a duty to make another piece of art again like you could they could make one and you really enjoy it and they don't owe anyone anything you know right i mean unless they signed a contract to make more then they do owe somebody something but you know what i'm saying they don't owe the public right that's still business right you know it's still a contractual agreement to do something whereas i don't feel that actors artists producers writers so anyone in the entertainment business really owes anyone their emotional effort their private life they're allowed to have friends that aren't fans yeah (laughs) um their life gets to be outside of what our version of them is yeah because our version is still very contrived by tabloids and media and what yeah i mean in some instances what the entertainment business wants us to see of them they paint a very um I want to say dictating, but almost a dictating picture. Mm-hmm. And so I think outside of that, they don't they don't owe us anything. That's yeah. they they get to have that private life because yeah. when you go home from work, your coworkers don't get to see what goes on inside your house. And I think that needs to be the same boundary across the board, even in the entertainment business. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Freddie. He was a gay man, and he also had AIDS. And people still to this day will kind of critique that he didn't... He wasn't more involved in the public for either of those causes. Mm -hmm. Like, that he wasn't, like, um, a poster boy for gay rights or a poster boy for, um, you know, AIDS and kind of, like, AIDS awareness. And he just didn't... He wasn't comfortable sharing personal stuff, you know, about his life. And also, it seems like for most of his life, as far as the, you know, the gay identity goes, 
it seems like he was still kind of like, not necessarily struggling with that, like whether he was gay or not. He was. He seemed pretty certain that he was gay, but he seemed to be struggling with identifying as a gay man in a way. And I can't, you know, we can't really say because nobody was in his mind. Um, but that like certainly also seems like kind of what the the film he was struggling to find his identity as a person and that was surely part of it you know and so i don't think he was you know ready to be open to the public and and apparently he was just kind of a shy guy in real life which is funny because like people know him for his like really like spectacular showmanship and on stage he's just so like expressive and open that you'd think in like life off the stage that he'd be the same way, but apparently he wasn't. He was very shy and very, like, inward. Um, and I feel like that's, like, funny. Like, I think of Robin Williams, and, like, apparently he, like, struggled with depression. And, not, well, not apparently. Obviously he did. Right. Um, and which which a lot of people were just like, that is crazy. Like, it's hard to wrap our minds around that because he brought so much joy to other people. It's crazy that he was so depressed and so like stuck in this deep sadness but yet he provides so much happiness and joy and that's when I kind of became aware of this idea that people were like you know a lot of comedians are like that like some of the people who make us laugh the most are the people who are the you know saddest anyway I think Freddie would have liked that the movie wasn't trying to be like pushing anything uh, even if he obviously, you know, was a part of these things. Right. He didn't want to be a poster boy for that. He wanted to be known for his music. And a lot of people really critique him for not coming forward about having AIDS. But I'm like, he's the one dying. I think he should dictate what happens. Like, how how many people know what he's going to do about it. Like, especially that kind of thing. Like, now people might, there might be better arguments as far as like him being, you know, a gay man and maybe he could have done more there. I still think that's his personal life, but definitely when it comes to him having AIDS, I'm like, he was the one dying. Leave the man alone. He's dying and he wants to die with only his friends and his family knowing. Yeah, and I don't think that anyone needed for this film and I don't think that anyone in Queen... um, would have wanted to see a film portraying him as some hero outside of the hero he already is being himself. I don't think they needed to go outside of or beyond who Freddie Mercury really was to actually um, see that he was heroic, even if he was just a hero for himself in those moments he was on stage. Because like you were saying about how he was flamboyant and energetic and very open on stage, but very private um, about his own life. I think that shows a lot of like, okay, (laughs) oh, real talk. As kind of an artist myself, I think the most, the times where I feel most comfortable is when I get to put on a persona and I get to be someone who isn't Caitlin Park. Mm -hmm. Um because you get to express things that maybe are harder when you're sitting face to face with someone um 
because you don't know how they'll react. So when the lights go on and then you can't see the audience, you have just this silhouette. You get to be something else. And okay, yeah, you'll hear some feedback afterwards. But in those moments, it feels like you get to be exactly who you are, even if it's a character. And I think I think that's heroic. Yeah. I also think he was... I, I do believe people are born to do certain things in regards that they're given these gifts. Some people may not realize what they are, and some people might die never having discovered them, uh, which I think is really sad. But I do think people were born to do a specific thing, and they they do or would thrive at that thing. And mm -hmm. I think, like, he's a great singer and a great musician, or he was, Um I mean, he still is. He lives on through his music, you know? Oh, absolutely. And so I, I think I can say he still is a musical genius, I think. Um, and, but I think his gift, he has those gifts, definitely. But I think his gift wasn't necessarily that, specifically. I think it was, his gift was as a performer. Mm -hmm. And that's when he really thrived. Like he loved making the music obviously and he was so good at it, but it seemed like his gift was a was an entertainer. I think that's a better way to say it. Okay. An entertainer because that also incorporates his musicianship. So I I think that was his gift and you could just tell that he thrives at that. Um and I I can confidently say that was what he was born to do, you know. Yeah. And so I think like what you're saying, once you do something that you know, you, you were given this gift to do and you do it and you're in the moment, you, you feel like you can fly. You know, you're like, this is it. When you found what you're supposed to do and you do that thing in a, in a, in a way that you feel proud of and you enjoy, you're just like, this is it. And you're like, I love this. I could do this forever. Um, and in a sense, you have to, you have to do it forever. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, that's for me it's acting uh and whenever people are like and i've had people say this to me and i hate it they're like what's your backup plan i'm like there is no backup plan <laughs> there's this no is plan it. b <laughs> this is it i'm going to i'm going to try to become a professional actor until the day i die um and when i do become a professional actor i'm going to take as many gigs as i can obviously with on projects that i but like believe in or I have interest in and I'm just going to keep doing that until the day I die because that's that's what fulfills me and if, filmmaking does too but acting definitely is first place filmmaking is a little under that but mm -hmm. I just it's that's all there is like right now I'm working at a pizza delivery place and it's it's not a hard job and it's not a bad job I am not fulfilled at all zero percent I could not do that for the rest of my life. And the only way that I'm able to keep going is telling myself, I'm going to get out of here one day, you know? And that sounds very like small town, like I'm going to get out of here one day. Yeah. But it really is. It's just, I well, honestly, I took this job because I lost my other job at the last second. So I was like, well, uh, pizza, pizza will be fine. Yeah. So I, that's, I get that feeling. So that's why yeah. when I watched this movie, I'm going to just tell you what I thought of it because it hooks into this. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. And that's why when I watched this movie, it made me want to go act. Not only because it had great performances in it, but when you look at Freddy's life, and especially at the end when he says, I'm going to, 
to be what I was born to be, a performer. I'm like, that's me. That's how I feel on the inside. Like, I was born to be an actor. And when people are like, oh, but it's a tough industry, I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to try as hard as I can. And, you know, obviously I'd love to be in like a Hollywood movie or on Broadway. But if I never make it there, but I do get to act professionally for the rest of my life, I'll be pretty happy, you know? Yeah. Obviously, I do want to be in like a Hollywood film or on Broadway, mostly because they do the kind of work that I like to do, you know? They have the kind of film that I want to be in. They they have the kind of play or musical that I want to be in. But if I can just act and support myself and my family for the rest of my life, I'll be happy. I'll be so happy. And so... I really connected with Freddie's journey in that way. Yeah. Where he was like, this is what I was born to do. And he does it. And he thrives at it, you know. Um, but yeah, I loved this movie. Uh, first of all, hearing the Queen music in a theater with like their speakers and their surround sound. Breathtaking. First of all, I bought it on Blu-ray after it came out. And I still really enjoy it. But after I watched it, I was like, oh, it, it's it's still good. But like hearing the music it wasn't as exciting as it was in the theater just because it was so like dynamic coming out of their speakers and it was so loud i wasn't worried about neighbors getting mad at me (laughs) (laughs) apartment life yeah apartment life um but it's that's not the movie's fault like that's not a tick on the movie that's just me saying like oh man i just it just made me realize how great that experience was in the theater so sorry, everyone, because it's out of theaters now, so you can't... Well, it might be somewhere. Go see it if you if it's somewhere near you. If you have surround sound, turn that stuff if, up. If you have surround sound, turn it up. I want to buy a surround sound just for this movie. But uh, I went and saw another movie recently, and they showed the trailer again for Rocket Man. Oh, I want to go see that. It was just playing Elton John's music through the speakers for the trailer. And first of all, it made me go, oh, I miss Bohemian Rhapsody in the theater. But then it also made me go, man... Music, like good music in a movie theater is great. I want to just do that sometime. Like maybe just play music videos in the theater and I'll come watch. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought it was a really well-made movie. I will say the cinematography was good. If I'm honest though, there, there wasn't really anything like new or inspired in the cinematography. Which some people may say, like, does there need to be? I would say... Do something interesting. Like, they had a few interesting shots, um, but it was pretty standard for the most part. But, you know, I didn't. that didn't really make me not like it. I've seen it a lot of times, so I'm now able to, like, be like, okay, this is, like... I'm starting with negative stuff because I did mostly like it, so I want to kind of start with my critiques. Visually, didn't do much. I liked the style. When I say visually, I mean, like, cinematography with the camera. I liked the style, like the production design and the costumes, because, you know, it was 80s, it was 70s, it was 80s, and I I thought they pulled that all off really well. I thought they made Remy Malek look a lot like Freddie Mercury, although fun tidbit, the teeth they used um, were actually smaller than Freddie Mercury's real teeth, because they tried some fake teeth that were the same size as Freddie Mercury's, but they were too big, and... Rami Malek couldn't talk with them. And he said in the behind the scenes interview that it made him like respect Freddie a whole lot more because he was so self-conscious about his teeth 
and you know you you think oh poor guy but then when Rami Malek put them in and he couldn't even talk he was like oh my gosh poor Freddie you know <laughs> yeah but to me that just makes it so much more impressive that he was able to do what he did you know if other people can't talk with those teeth now I will say maybe Rami Malek's mouth is just smaller and you know Freddie was born with a bigger mouth so he wasn't as hindered but it just makes you like go wow this guy was able to do so much with his voice I thought that was interesting but I thought Remy Malik did a really good job. Before we move on, because he is nominated for Best Actor. And at this point, we don't know if he's going to win. Because I think this episode's going to come out after the Oscars. But we don't know if he's going to win yet. I want him to win. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. What did you think of his performance as Freddie Mercury? Oh my gosh. I thought that his performance was absolutely breathtaking. Down to his mannerisms, the look. Um, and just looking at the Live Aid performance side by side i've seen that on youtube and facebook and all that stuff i thought was so beautifully done this was someone who really wanted to do this man justice and it was seen in every aspect and it was completely believable especially because going into a biopic you're expecting to see freddie mercury you're not looking for an actor's take on this character you're looking for you know, the man himself, and I thought that this was done really well, and I think it's very honoring. Yeah, I told a lot of other people, it almost feels like it's Bohemian Rhapsody starring Freddie Mercury and some other wonderful actors, you know? Like, it's almost like Freddie as himself, and then, like, all these other actors doing a great job playing these other characters, Mm -hmm. you know? It was just so great, and I found out that he actually had a movement coach, so they hired someone who helped him figure out like how to move like Freddie. But she said in the behind the scenes interview, it wasn't just, they didn't want to just mimic Freddie's movements. They wanted to figure out why did Freddie move like this? And that would help him, you know, in especially in scenes, which are most of them that weren't recorded for him to like mimic. Yeah. How would Freddie move? You know, why did he move the way he did in the recordings we have? And then why why did he move like that in real life as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, like you said, all the mannerisms, I think, are what sold it. Because you can do a voice, you right. know, and you can mimic his, his accent, but it's the mannerisms that sell it, you know, I mm-hmm. think. It's the boldness on stage, you know? It's the flamboyant, confident attitude. And, and I don't even mean flamboyant just as in gay. But, like, even before he came out as gay, he he had this flamboyant attitude. To me, like, maybe it's because I knew he was going to eventually become gay, so I just had already settled into that. But for me, it was just more confidence than it was, like, stereotypical gay attitude, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially at first. It was just a, a confidence in himself and in the way, like, you saw it in the way he dressed, like, on stage. He was just very confident, you know? Yes. Um, at least on stage. I don't know how confident he was, like, around other people he didn't know, but he seemed pretty confident. But, I, yeah, I also thought his performance was fantastic. I thought everyone else was really good, too. I, I feel bad because I don't want to imply that the other actors were bad, but... We don't know as much about the personality of, like, 
Brian May or Roger Taylor or John Deacon or Mary, um, I, I forgot her last name, maybe Foster, I don't remember. But we don't know their personality as much, like in real life. So I, I can't tell you how well these people did, but they did so good, you know, but right. Rami Malek jumped off the screen. Like it, it was, it was, it was as if Freddie was in the movie. I know I already said that, but in the same way that Freddie in real life, I haven't seen, I never saw him. He died before I was born, but I've heard so many, so many people say that at a concert, he could make somebody in the back of the auditorium feel involved, you know? He was just so, like, big and, like, exuberant and just so, like, welcoming in a way. I know that feels yeah. weird, but, like, he made you feel part of it is what a lot of people have said, you know? it's It was almost like we're here having a good time together, like them two. Right. Like, it was like you were buying a ticket to have a good time with Queen for a few hours, you know? Um, and that's like, it, it felt like that. Like, it felt like... He was so big and exuberant, Rami Malek was, and I think he captured the spirit perfectly. And it's, you look at side-by-side pictures, and yeah, they don't look exactly the same, but it feels the same, you know? And I feel like you don't see Rami Malek in there at all, much in the same way, and I, I always go back to this, this is because this is the first time I saw an actor do this in a movie, but... It's like Heath Ledger as the Joker. Heath Ledger is not in that movie, like, at all. Oh, no. And and forget the makeup. Even if he was just with his regular face, Heath Ledger is not in that movie at all. Mm -mm. It's just, it's the Dark Knight starring the Joker and Christian Bale as Batman, you know? (laughs) Yes. It's the same thing with this. It's, Rami Malek is not in that movie at all. Freddie Mercury's in that movie, you know? Yeah. And it's, I, I won't keep going on about Rami Malek. That's what this portion is for, but... He was just so good. And that's why I think he should win Best Actor. I don't know if if it should win Best Picture, not because I don't think it was a good movie, but because I haven't seen the other nominees, except Black Panther. I don't think Black Panther should be nominated. That might be a hot take, but nothing to do with anything about ethnicity or its importance to society or culture. But I don't think it's that important, you know? I think there are other nominees who had a lot more important things to say uh, and are better films. I think there were even better superhero films that year than Black Panther. But I understand why it's nominated. And and it is a good movie. And it it is very important for our culture. So I'm going to let it slide, but I don't really agree. (laughs) But anyway, that's not what this episode's about. So I know you've only seen it the one time. So this question might be a little tough, but... Did you have any critiques of it? Like, even if they're real nitpicky things, like, even if they're things you don't really hold against the movie, did you have anything that you were like, hmm? Not that comes straight to my knowledge. Simply because only watching it one time through, you kind of, you end up riding that emotional roller coaster. So there is no stepping away from it and just going, okay, but, but wait. Um, especially because I'm a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, at the end I was, I was in tears and I don't know who wasn't. Um, I won't judge you if you weren't, but also I'm a little confused. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my default state to be fair. Is confused. Is confused? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> walk around the world like, what? Uh... Huh? <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, uh, I and I kind of I kind of like it that way. Um, simply because there are plenty of films that I have watched to death, um, and I've found the ticks that I don't like about them. Or especially if I watch them with someone else, like you're like, say you're with your significant other, and you're like, this is my favorite movie. And then you watch them the whole time instead of the film to see if they react right. Mm-hmm. And then when they don't, you either have to say, hmm, they're wrong. <laughs> or <Yeah. laughs> like, see, okay, like drop your bias and think, okay, but was that really funny? Or do I just really love this film? Or do I just really love this actor? Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about Ghostbusters. Um. <laughs> the 2016 one? Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah. I love Melissa McCarthy. I think she is hilarious. I also wish Nominated I... Nominated for an Oscar, I think, for this this year. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go. A, I think she was in a serious movie. Well, now I need to watch that. Because I, I love watching comedic actors in very serious roles. They usually do really well. Really, really well. Because it shows they have range. Well, also, it's because comedy is harder than drama. So most of the time, I won't say all the time, most of the time, if an actor can pull off comedy well, they can do drama. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin Williams is a great example. Oh, of course. First time he won an Oscar, which he should have won one before. But anyway, first time he won an Oscar was for Goodwill Hunting, and he played a serious character. Cracked, like, maybe three jokes in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, one of them was ad-libbed and made the cameraman laugh, but still, it, he won for his dramatic portrayal, and it was so good. But I can't remember off the top of my head what movie Melissa McCarthy was nominated for. There might be somebody listening to this screaming at their radio, like, It was this movie! Gosh! The radio is if we don't all have iPhones at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I plug in my phone to the radio so it plays through the... I guess it's not the oh. radio, but it plays through my car speakers. So okay. I still think of it as the radio. <laughs> okay, so you know that makes sense. What was I, born in the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> I still have a CD player in my car, so... Eh. Well, that's just more... That was the cheapest car you could find, right? <laughs> like <laughs> It was free. Not like you were like, oh, sweet. It has a CD player. I, <laughs> I wanted one of these. I can play six CDs. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually busted, so I can play zero CDs. Wow. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on yeah. to... Uh, yeah, so the only impression that I got was the first impression. And it was it is a movie that I would watch again. However, the cinematic experience was so good. I don't want to ruin it. I don't yeah. want to risk ruining it by watching it again. Just just, because... just wait a while and then watch it on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, the the music and and I thought it was really entertaining because, like I said, I'm very picky. So a lot of times when I'm like, oh, I'm watching something about a real person, and that's that's gonna be fun, right? Like, okay, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I was supposed to go to a concert that night in, I don't think it's in Deep Ellum, but I was going to a coffee shop and I like bought tickets and stuff. And then when we invited you and Amy to Buffalo Wild Wings, Nat was like, hey, do you want to go see Bohemian Rhapsody? And I was like, we're supposed to go to Dallas. (laughs) But yes, we should spend time with our loved ones. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and then it ended up being such a good movie like i didn't i didn't even care yeah. about not going to dallas you didn't like, feel like it, you really missed out on anything exactly because it was it was just 
that good and that usually doesn't happen yeah because also, i think you and natalie were both in tears at the end oh yeah i mean who doesn't i feel like the row that we were sitting in just the four of us like four people who love the arts in different ways natalie uh-huh. with music i love acting and writing um and then you and amy who also do acting i think it all spoke to us in different ways maybe the same way but mm-hmm. it would it just it captured you know the the artist and i yeah. think it was definitely something worth seeing for i, I especially in the theaters cuz normally i'm like I'm going to go sit in a dark room for two hours. I'm going to pay $20 for popcorn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> but this time around, just the altogether experience of the film and how well it was made, the music, also just the nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. Um, was just, It was so worth that and so i guess seeing it a second time makes me feel like it's not gonna be as good at home (laughs) yeah um i'm gonna wait till i have a surround sound system and i can sit and then be engulfed in the whole thing you might be waiting for a while oh yeah i will (laughs) (laughs) sling and spro doesn't really bring the dough (laughs) i don't know why i want to rhyme so bad today (laughs) what did we say your rap name was little teaser (laughs) little teaser little teaser's at it again Next next episode, I'm gonna say hello. I'm Marcus Hooper, and I'm with Lil Teaser, <laughs> special guest Lil Teaser. <laughs> but I agree with you. It was it was fantastic in the theaters, and it was like the quality of the movie didn't go down when I watched it at home. It was just a little less exciting, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. But I agree with everything you said. Now I'm gonna bring up some critiques other people had, okay. and I want you to tell me. What you think about those critiques. Okay. And it's fine if, if I bring these one of these up and you hear it and you go, actually, that is kind of true. It's fine if that happens. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting that these things don't bother you because they didn't bother you when you saw the film. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to, I think we should talk about these critiques anyway. Yeah, What for other sure. people are saying. So I think one of the biggest things I've heard is that it's not completely accurate in the sense that they move some things around as okay. far as date and they also changed some things and then they also added a few things that didn't happen at all okay so for example mike myers character he never existed in real life they really just added him for the wayne's world joke which i thought was really funny so to me it's worth it but some Mm -hmm. people felt a little cheated because they went home and found out mike myers character didn't exist and i found out that they did leave a i think they did leave a production studio it just wasn't that one with that guy you know right that didn't happen but i like the wayne's world joke and some but some people are like oh they made it up it's it's supposed to all be true i'm here to tell you most biopics are not 100 percent true i don't think there is a single one that's 100 percent true um but that's because a biopic is not a documentary right. a biopic is how can we tell this person's story in an entertaining and cinematic way and if they if they're going to stay true to anything they're probably going to try to stay true to the spirit of that person right um which they did in this movie hashtag they did it uh that could be a very incriminating hashtag hashtag they did it (laughs) (laughs) oh no um (laughs) (laughs) Um. but 
you know, biopics are not documentaries. To me, they don't have to be 100% accurate. In fact, anytime I walk out of a biopic, my number one question is, even if I really, really liked it, like with this one, my number one question is, I wonder how much of that actually happened. And not in a boo movie kind of a way. It just makes me want to know, like, oh, did that really happen? Like, that'd be cool if that happened. So I'm, I automatically assume stuff didn't happen that yeah. was in the biopic. I, so what did, what did you think? I think, okay, when it comes to things not being accurate in a movie like this, I think what you have to do is line it up with a couple questions like, first of all, does this detract from the real story? Yeah. Does it change? Does it alter? Does it take, does it steal away from what the real story is? Yeah. I don't think the Mike Myers character did. Um, no. I can't, I mean, I'm sure someone will disagree with me. The character doesn't detract, steal away from, or really alter anything about Queen or about their story. I don't agree with that critique. I think the character is fine. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, let me say that in a quieter tone. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. I I think that's not what the movie was trying to do, right? It was trying to tell an entertaining story based on this person's life. And they wanted to tell you about this person's life, but they wanted to do it in an entertaining way. That's why another critique people had that kind of fits within this same category is like dates of things were shifted around. So for example, the biggest one people always go to is in the movie, Freddie finds out he has AIDS not long before Live Aid and then tells his bandmates pretty soon after he finds out and then Live Aid happens and then Live Aid kind of also becomes a triumphant like and Freddie went on to make more music until he was too sick to do it but he kept going and a lot of people were like, boo movie because in real life, um, he, by all accounts, he wasn't diagnosed with AIDS until like a year after Live Aid and then told his band sometime after that. And a lot of people felt like manipulated by these shifts. Um, and, you know, to that I have to say, every movie is manipulating you, whether you realize it or not. Sometimes m movies are too clear about it, and that's when that gets a little frustrating. But I don't right. think that's this movie. But those kind of things, like, don't bother me. Like, I understand why they did it from a storytelling perspective. Right. Because if you think about it, ending the movie on Live Aid is a great decision because it was their best performance. It was like the highlight of their career. And it was considered by most the best live rock performance in history. And if the band you're doing a movie about has that title, that's a perfect moment to like have that climax of the movie. Right. So I get that. And then I also get you can't end the movie without discussing the fact that he was diagnosed with AIDS. Like, you can't, you just can't skip it, you know? And exactly. you also can't just have it be a, a, a card at the end that says, Freddie was later diagnosed with AIDS and he died in 1991. You know, you can't do that. Yeah. Because it was such a big part of his life, obviously. Yes. It, it killed him. And I understand why they did it. Because... They wanted to end the movie on Live Aid, which was a big triumphant thing, but then they also wanted to address the fact that he got AIDS. And then, if you're already moving the AIDS thing 
backwards in time. It makes sense to do it right before Live Aid because then at that point, Live Aid is even more triumphant than it was before, you know? Right. Um, because before it was like, yeah, like Queen rocks together. We're all great. We're all friends. We're a family. But now it's like, it's also like Freddie's still working, you know? The AIDS isn't going to keep him down. And I mean, it worked on me. I don't know about you, but. Oh, for sure. That was part of the emotional climax for me. Yeah, I think that was, um, it was so important. And again, as someone who also didn't know anything about Freddie Mercury going into it other than he, okay, I didn't even really know he was part of Queen. I thought there were two different things. Really? For real. (laughs) I know, this is bad, Caitlin. (laughs) Bring your hand over here. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> I just smacked her on the wrist. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's a pop culture icon, Caitlin. Yeah. Okay. Um. You uncultured swine. No, I'm yeah. kidding. No, I'm that's kidding. okay. Some would say I was sheltered, but um, <laughs> most maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. As someone who didn't really know anything other. I mean, I knew that he died from AIDS because, okay, I have friends. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, Not that sheltered. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I didn't realize that, you know, that happened afterwards. And I don't know that that, I feel like if they would have stayed true to the, um, the real life timeline, I would have been like, well, okay, well, where's the rest of the movie? You know, and I feel like it would have been completely different. I feel like the feeling leaving the theater wouldn't be one of hope and triumph and celebrating his life. And it would be more, you would leave mourning yeah. all over again. And I also don't feel like that's something that Freddie Mercury would want. Yeah. I feel like he would want people to leave hopeful and entertained and happy yeah um and not crying for him because he's obviously living on yeah so you would also leave in the morning because it would be way too long (laughs) yes you you they wouldn't have done that they wouldn't have ended like right after he finds out he's got aids he's like hey everyone i've got aids credits you know (laughs) like it would have been like they would have had to have kept going Probably to his death. Like, they would have had to have shown, like, the last few days of his life. So, and then that's also really a bummer, you know? (laughs) So, I I like that they ended at Live Aid with us knowing he had AIDS. Because then that awesome moment where he's, like, you know, at the end where he's, like, yeah. Like, he's nodding at the audience because they're, like, that was great. And he's, like, heck yeah, it was, you know? (laughs) And he's, like, it's it's just so great the way it is right now. And honestly, I like the way it is. And I think there is no alternative way you could have done the ending of this movie that would have been as emotionally satisfying. Right. Now, again, I don't think this movie was trying to be 100% factually accurate. It was trying to tell a good story, which I think it did. If you want to see something, because, you know, a lot of people say this isn't a documentary. It's a, it's, you know, a biopic. It's supposed to be an entertaining film. And I subscribe to that, um, much as you can subscribe to Story Tales, um, wherever podcasts are found. Please. Please. Um, but also, I think 
you know, if you want to see, you know, a, a factual representation of Freddie's life, like this is Freddie's life, these are the facts, then you should check out a really good documentary called Mercury Rising. And that is a documentary about Freddie Mercury. And that's just the facts. You know, at least all we know for sure. Um, the movie kind of does speculate about behind closed doors moments, but you kind of have to because n- nobody knows. But this documentary is like, here's what we know about Freddie, starting from when he was born to when he died. And if that's something you're interested in and, and if that's something you wish this movie had more of, check it out. The whole thing is on YouTube for free. So watch Mercury Rising. It, it is really good. And if that's what you were looking for in this movie, you'll probably you'll you'll probably like the documentary better anyway. So check it out. So general thoughts. I really liked it. Caitlin? I loved it. Yeah? Would you recommend that people buy this or rent it? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> this is one of those films that I think is so worth experiencing, whether it was in theater or at home. Um, It did such a good job of portraying hope and celebrating life on a backdrop that could have been despair. Um, And I think it will speak to anyone who finds themselves either um, just struggling to find that hope or, you know, are artists Um, The writers, the singers, the actors, I mean, anyone. I know I walked out feeling inspired, and it just spoke to me in a way that was really, really important. So yes, get this film. Yeah. I think if you're an artist or a performer, I think this film could really speak to you in a much stronger way because... It spoke to me as a performer, not just as a person, because of Freddie's passion and his drive and his skill. And even just seeing Rami Malek portraying these things, you could tell that he was like thriving, you know, doing this. And um, it was it was just really inspiring, as especially as an actor, to watch. And I think that's part of the reason I also really like Rami Malek's performances, because as an actor, I was like watching another actor act so well as a character who is thriving as a performer it was like layers upon layers upon layers it was like the perfect like um one-two punch to like get me crying you know right yeah um but even if you're not an artist or a performer i would highly recommend this because it's it's just a good story he's a very interesting person very interesting people the people in queen uh and it's a very great band and if you like queen music which most people do not everyone you know fair enough it's subjective but if you like Queen, you probably will really like this movie. And let me just say, if you don't like this movie, that's fine. I don't hold that against you. Your enjoyment of a film is subjective. Um, but I would say that this... I would say that this is an objectively good movie. Um, but you might not enjoy it for reasons. Um, and there are other critiques of this movie that we haven't mentioned. Um, just you know, full transparency. We didn't talk about all the critiques. If you do want to go see the critiques, there are plenty of reviews written by people way smarter than us um, who know a lot more about movies and art than we do, but they have, you know, many other critiques. So if you want to see some other critiques of the film, because we kind of did most of our time, we kind of spent most of our time praising the film, 
But if you want to read about more critiques, you can look it up online. I know there are a lot of YouTube videos of people talking about different problems they had, but um, I really liked it. Caitlin, you said you really like it. Uh, two thumbs up, Caitlin? Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up for me as well. So thank you for sticking with us. I know sometimes we got off onto weird rabbit trails, <laughs> but I hope the, the ride was enjoyable. So thank you for joining us here at Storytales. I'm Marcus Hooper. And I'm Caitlin Park. And we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> what a weirdo. Thanks for listening to Storytales. Please subscribe and follow us on Twitter at StorytalesPod, where you can share your story with us. Or you can email us at StorytalesPodcast at gmail.com. Your story wants to be told. Okay. There's some ASMR for you. <laughs> Me swallowing. Yeah. Welcome to this Story Tales episode of ASMR. We, could t- we should talk about ASMR. We should. Does that like fall into storytelling? It can, I guess. Like, I don't know. They do role playing. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Don't judge me. Okay. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat some Mike and Ike's. This is probably a bad idea because it'll take me a while to chew it. Mmm. Mmm. It's so good. What is this, orange? <laughs> Mango delight. And it is delightful. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.